Welcome to episode 18 of the Journey is the Reward. I'm Brian Coleman, and I've been a frequent flyer for a large portion of my life. Most of my travels have been on United Airlines as a member of their Mileage Plus program. As a result of flying around the world, I've flown over 5 million miles. Over 2 million miles have been with United. This has earned me premier platinum status for life. This year, I've set a new goal to fly the remaining 300,000 miles in less than 18 months. This will earn me lifetime United Mileage Plus Premier 1K status. Along with my co-host, we will document my quest to fly these remaining miles. On the show, we will talk about the passenger experience, planning and booking of these flights, experiences with other travelers, and who knows what all else. The goal is to document the journey as it is the reward, so let's get started. Hey, Micah. Welcome back. Hey, I'm not the one that's back. I've been here all along, but you're back from you and United and Blue Hawaii. Ah, oh, Hawaii was wonderful. It really was. The biggest problem with Hawaii is I wasn't there long enough. Well, that's how it is when you're just building miles and not traveling for fun. Or maybe you are traveling for fun and you are building miles. I don't know. Exactly. But I was not on the ground long enough. We'll talk about that in a little bit. That sounds great. Looking forward to that. But in the meantime, I think we heard from another listener. We did. We heard from listener Vin. He wrote in saying that he loves the broadcast and he's following us on social media. How cool is that? I just got to correct him because we are by no means a broadcast. We are the narrowest of narrow casts when it comes right <laughs> down to it. Oh, but both of us are pretty broad, though. Well, I'm certainly very broad. I can't even fit in the Polaris seats. <laughs> So he goes on to say that he was interested in your discussion of your Southwest flights. And that, of course, was on episode 15. And he says, did you know that Southwest does not have a way to track your lost bags? It was a couple of years ago, but they lost a bag and they couldn't tell where it was or when they would reunite it with him. Unlike Delta United and American, Southwest cannot tell you where your bag is until it shows up. I actually didn't know that. Did you know that about Southwest? I didn't know that. It surprises me that that would be the case. And it surprises me if that, it just really, I, I can't imagine that's how it would work. I can't imagine a huge airline like Southwest, the fourth largest in the USA, to not be able to have a system of tracking bags. But who knows? Maybe that's how it goes. Yeah, it could be a cost-cutting thing where they just don't want to put the back-end infrastructure in. Another reason why I don't really check bags. Of course, that trip to Sacramento I did because I had an awful lot of stuff to get up there, but 99.9% .9 of my flights, I do not check a bag, so I never knew about that. It'll be interesting to follow up with Southwest and find out because the next time I fly with them, I'm definitely going to ask. Yes, and on top of that, when you do check bags, you now also use AirTags. And I no, do. that's not a plug for Apple, but Apple, if you're listening, I really do need a new computer. And Oh, by the way, listeners, if you're listening, I really do need a new computer. <laughs> and we're looking at a Mac Mini. Yeah, it's a great product. Well, my friend Brian recommended it. Ah, well, you might need to get a better quality friend. <laughs> Listener Vin finished his email where he said, I want to thank you again for sharing your Singapore flight details. I'm disappointed I can't join you. Finn, I am too. Would have been fun to have you along on the journey. It's one of my favorite places in the world, and I have friends there and would have been great to see them. Have a great trip. Enjoy Changi during your short layover. Yep, I certainly will. Yeah, definitely looking forward to this trip. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to hearing about it. And we got another letter from listener Paul, and it's a two-parter. And it says, enjoy the podcast very much. Do you have a favorite aircraft to fly on? So, Micah, what's your favorite aircraft to fly on? 
Well, if we're talking about commercial aircraft, of all the aircraft that I've flown on so far, the 787 was definitely the most comfortable. It was the quietest. It had the most humidity in the air in terms of feeling comfortable on board. It was just a, a very nice aircraft. Now, the other thing that needs to be said is that when you're talking about a favorite aircraft, it's not necessarily the aircraft itself that's it's your favorite. It's how the airline lays out the interior. Absolutely true. And so many people will often say, I can't stand flying on an, on an A330 or I can't stand flying on a 747, although that's a little crazy. But now, who would say that? Who would say that? But they can't stand a particular aircraft type, but it's all because of the way the aircraft interior is laid out or designed by the airline. But- a 787, based on the design and the quietness of it and the air pressure and the uh, and, and the humidity, is really very comfortable and will probably be the most comfortable regardless of if you take that interior and move it from one aircraft to another. I have not flown on an A350. I understand it is even nicer than the 787 from people I know who have flown both, that it's even quieter than the 787 and a bit more comfortable. So uh, those would be my favorites. Now, in terms of just loving airplanes, I loved flying on a 747 when I had that opportunity. And I loved being on board an A380, although the one we were on board was not laid out <laughs> as a passenger aircraft. Yeah, that was all full of test equipment. Yeah. And if we're talking about flying GA, that's a whole different thing. But if we're talking about commercial aircraft, if you have a choice, always book on a 7.8 or an A350. You're going to have a more comfortable ride. Yeah. And I really have to agree with you on that. The 787 is wonderful. I've yet to fly on the A350. Looking forward to that. I also have not flown on the A380. Yeah, that's definitely on my bucket list of aircraft to fly in. I don't think the A380 will be as nice as the 787 or the A350, but I'm still willing to give it a try. And it would be fun to experience Emirates first class on the A380 as well. The second part of the question is, is there anyone dead or alive associated with aviation that you would like to interview for the podcast? So Micah, if we had guests, and I know that format's much more for the airplane geeks, who would you want to interview? Well, there are a couple of astronauts that I would have always wanted to talk to. I was a huge fan of both Gene Cernan and Al Bean. Neither of them flew together. Neither of them flew together on, on missions. Gene Cernan was the last man on the moon and just a, an amazing pilot, had an incredible history and loved what he did. And Al Bean was also, uh, he was the, uh, the fourth man on the moon. He was the uh, lunar module uh, pilot on Apollo 12. And uh, he got into that position by accident because somebody was pulled out of the rotation and he got in there at the last minute when Pete Conrad said, I knew him from my Navy squadron. I want to fly with him. They were good friends and he ended up flying by accident, realized the wonderful opportunity he had. And when he retired from being an astronaut and he retired early so he could let other people get in, he became a painter. And I just think he was an, an amazing man and somebody I wish I could have interviewed. Huh, interesting. Well, going back to the Airplane Geeks, one of the people that I actually got to interview, and he was on the show three times, is Major General Charlie Bolden, who was also the director of NASA. I would absolutely love to have him as a guest where we could interview him directly and not have to worry about the Airplane Geeks. But for this particular show, I would absolutely love to have Bessie Coleman. So possibly a relative of mine, but certainly one of the first black female aviators. 
And I just think it would be fantastic to interview her. I think I like both those ideas. And I was with you one of those times we interviewed uh, General, and that was a, a fabulous interview. Someone else, if we're just talking about this particular podcast, I would love to interview Scott Kirby and ask him some very direct, specific <laughs> questions. And I know we're laughing, but he, he comes out and he says things just recently, said some things that are totally not true. And I would like to ask him some of the specific questions about the difficulties that we have both encountered with United Airlines and why he has not taken it upon his purview to make customers more happy with some simple changes that wouldn't necessarily cost him anything. I agree with you. He would be fun to have on the show. I think, unfortunately, he is seasoned enough where we would get nothing but corporate answers out of them. And I find that unfortunate. I had the opportunity to interview his predecessor, uh, Oscar Munoz, and he was a fantastic person to interview. And although you could definitely tell when he was giving a corporate answer, I really believe his heart was in the right place and he tried his best to answer the questions as honestly as he could. I don't think we would get the same results out of Scott, but you're absolutely right. I would love to have him on the show. And by the way, the difference between Scott Kirby and Oscar Muniz, Oscar Muniz, before even he interviewed you, he bought you a hamburger. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but that had nothing to do with the interview questions. I could not be bought. <laughs> our last question for the day comes from listener Lou, who's our social media specialist. And Lou writes, Hi, Brian and Micah. Really enjoy the podcast. Well, I hope so, since you're doing our social media stuff. On episode 17, you didn't talk much about your mom and your visit with her. We all want to know the details. Was she surprised? How did you actually surprise her? How did she react? What did you guys do during your visit? Wow, I guess listener Lou really does want to know all the details. Will you do it again? I've heard you on the Airplane Geeks before. You tend to show up unannounced. Are you trying to kill her with these surprise visits? And I think those are some really good questions. Yeah, and I apologize for the surprise mom episode that we didn't talk so much about mom. She had no idea you were coming, right? Oh, absolutely. She had no idea. And it's normal for me to simply show up unannounced. I've done this for the past, oh, at least 20 years. I used to have a job where I would go uh, visit the fine folks at NASA Kennedy Space Center. Mom lives over in Tampa, just the other side of the coast. I would either before the trip or after the trip, I would simply show up many times. If it's the middle of the day, the door will be unlocked and I would just walk in and surprise the crap out of my mom and dad. Unfortunately, my dad has passed away, so I only get to scare the crap out of mom these days. And that's exactly what happened this time. I actually called her from the airport and I said, oh, sorry, I'm um, yeah, running late because I, I call my mom almost every day whenever I can. I, I call her. So I called her from the airport and said, oh, I'm sorry I'm calling you so late today, but it's been really busy. How things going? Blah, blah, blah. She doesn't think anything's going on. About 25 minutes later or so, I get to the house, open up the front door, walk in. She's sitting with one of her friends on the couch. And I say, you know, you're supposed to lock the door because just anyone can walk in. And, <laughs> and the look on her face, she was, I think, surprised that someone had walked in through the front door, but even more surprised when she realized it was me. And she was speechless for about the next five minutes. She just had no idea. 
you know, why I was there, how I showed up. And I just find it so entertaining that I do this to her often and she still hasn't gotten used to it. It's still a surprise every time I show up. Well, that's great. And what did you guys do together while you were there? Because you were there for what, two days? I can't remember now. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was a very short trip. Yeah. So we sat out by the pool. We had lunch together, went out to dinner, really just sat around and talked. We didn't go anyplace special, didn't do anything special. Just I got to spend some quality time with mom and hang out with her and sort of catch up face to face instead of the quick five, 10 minute phone calls that we normally do every day. And sometimes those are the best visits. I would have the same kind of days with my mom when she was around. And we had a uh, just a great time hanging out in the living room and just chit-chatting, going out and grabbing something to eat or cooking something together. Sometimes, believe Believe it or not, my mother was a huge football fan. Not me so much, but she loves professional football or loved professional football. That's so funny because my mother... Really? Your mom loves professional football too? She does. She's a huge Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Oh, that's great. Yeah, my mom was a Giants fan. And, you know, we turn on the Sunday football games and we turn them on at one o'clock. We usually have brunch beforehand. We turn them on at one o'clock and the second game would be on and I'd go out and grab something while she'd watch the game and she'd come back and fill me in. And, you know, for me, football is eh. I could care less, you know, so it's not a problem, but, uh, but we had fun and, and it was fun watching her enjoy it. Yep. Absolutely. Gosh, our parents are so much the same. Yes. So much fun. Yeah. And I guess to answer the question, will I do it again? Of course I will. Sheesh. That's what I do. If, if I didn't show up unannounced, I think she would think something was wrong and I didn't like her any longer. So yeah, absolutely. And, and of course I have no idea when I'm going to do it because it's a surprise. You know, I'm going to float an idea here on the show, but maybe if we don't make it to Israel this year, maybe we should take a trip together to Tampa. That way I could meet your mom, Ooh. you know, and, and say hello, which I'd love to be able to do and take that opportunity before it passes. And then, you know, you can spend some time with your mom and I'll cross the state and visit my aunt. That sounds like a fantastic idea. Now, nothing against mom. I'd much rather go to Israel with you. But if that doesn't work out, because again, airfare pricing is still ridiculously expensive. But if that doesn't work out, yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, let's let's think about that. Yeah. And we have some other emails, but they're going to have to wait until the next show um, because we have a lot to cover this week. Yes, we do. Because you've been to Hawaii back and forth from L.A. twice in about 72 hours, which is a whole lot. And that's because you decided to spend the night there. So tell us a little bit about the trip. You left on a Tuesday and you were finished on a Thursday. You were back for the second time. But let's talk about the first trip out. United put Hawaii on sale and the cost per mile, I just couldn't pass it up. I had never been to Lahui, so I thought this was just a really good trip to throw into the agenda and get some inexpensive miles. So I flew from Los Angeles to Lahui. The book time was five hours and 55 minutes. The flight was fine. I'm going to interrupt you because you say the cost per mile was really good. What was the airfare? Do you remember offhand? It was $237 from Los Angeles to Hawaii return. And that was in economy? Correct. Okay, with the hopes that you were going to get bumped up. Correct. But still, that's an incredible deal. That's $235 for about a 6,000-mile journey? Correct. That's really unbelievable. That is a price-per-mile deal that you absolutely can't pass up. Correct. So United primarily flies 737s to Hawaii from LA. Is that what you were on? I was on a 737. And one of the things that, that I found out on this trip is the narrow-body aircraft 
the 757s, the 737s do not have the proper Wi-Fi equipment to get internet access or direct TV when you're over the ocean. Oh, they have ground-based internet or Wi-Fi access. They don't have satellite-based is what it must be. Or I honestly don't know because I'm not really an aircraft interior specialist. If it is satellite-based, I believe there are some systems that are not global in the satellite coverage. So it could be a satellite-based system, but it didn't work. And I talked with the flight attendants about this and they confirmed that the narrow-body aircraft simply don't work over the ocean. No wonder you went dead and I didn't hear from you. I, I thought you were just mad at me. <laughs> nope. That's the reason why. And how were the flight attendants? Did you Obviously, you gave them gifts. How were, What was their reaction like? They were, again, very surprised. Unlike the other, I'll call them continental domestic flights, where the flight attendants really weren't that interactive, and quite possibly because these flights were longer, they really were. And we got to spend some time together and talk, and they, again, were just so grateful over the gift, but they were also very generous with their time. And we talked about many things, aviation, some personal things, and of course, I had to tell them that I was, I don't know if I could say, an aviation journalist or whatever I do in the aviation world. And anything said in the galley area would not be disclosed on the show. So that if someone might have something bad to say about the company or coworker or whatever, the thing that they might not want to get out in the rest of the world, I committed to them. And it's a promise that I will always keep that I just don't mention what's said behind the invisible line of the airplane. That's fair enough. So in the meantime, I'm, I'm assuming the service must have been great. It's always nice when you can get a little, a little friendly and have some conversation with your flight crew because uh, it, it really uh, makes the flight just that much better from my perspective. It, it turns things into more of a team event as opposed to uh, <laughs> you being a you being waited on hand and foot. Yeah, and I think that they also appreciate it because there are periods of downtime and just when you have conversation with someone, it makes the time go by faster. Certainly as a passenger, that happens that way. And I think for them as flight crew, it makes the time go faster as well. We had a really good time. One of the things that I've learned on the flight is because I was returning the next day that I'd be with the same flight attendants on the return flight. So that was even more special because on the return flight, we got to talk and I got to learn about what they actually did while they overnighted. Oh, and is that for the show or not? Nope. Okay. <laughs> No, That's but they fine. no, but they had a very good time. Uh, enjoyed Hawaii in well, however you can enjoy it in the few hours that we were there. We stayed in different hotels. I I honestly don't know what hotel they stayed in, but they all said that they had a great time and they uh, you know talked about going snorkeling and walks on the beach and it's just a beautiful island to do those things. So yes, they enjoyed their time very much. So you did an overnight too, which again is unusual for you on flights like this. Uh, where did you end up staying? And and, uh, and and was it a nice hotel? Yes, I ended up staying at the Hilton Garden Inn, which is just about five miles north of the airport. And I chose that hotel for two specific reasons. One is I had a bunch of points to pay for it because the paid for rate was what I would consider ridiculously expensive. It was close to $300 for the room there. So points was a much more cost effective way to stay. The other thing is I actually, I wanted to go scuba diving, but I couldn't go scuba diving because I was flying in less than 24 hours. And one of the side effects of going scuba diving is you run the risk of getting nitrogen narcosis, the bends. And I didn't want to do that. And therefore I just went snorkeling 
snorkeling and they have a protected area. They put some rocks out in the ocean to create a breakwater. It was a beautiful place to go snorkeling. So it was just very convenient to be at the hotel there where I could go snorkeling, enjoy the outdoor tiki lounge and all the other amenities of the hotel and not have a cost of fortune. Did you see some fish? Was this, was it coral? Uh, there was no coral inside the, the breakwater, but there were certainly a bunch of fish. I'm not very good at identifying fish, but there were some parrotfish, some angelfish, some fish that looked like mackerel. I don't know if they were or not. Saw, I don't know what species of crab it was, but there was a crab there. I was hoping that there would be a sea turtle, but I understand why a sea turtle wouldn't be in this little protected pond area. But it was still very, very enjoyable. Well, you know what? The next time you go, we're going to have to get you a Franco Maps fish identifier card. And the only reason I say that is because a friend of mine happens to be president of Franco Maps. But that's another story. Oh, and another story is how I was a loser on the upgrade list on both segments coming and going to Hawaii. United publishes a list of where you stand based on frequent flyer status and the quantity of money that you've paid for your flight. And they clear people to first class based upon where you fall on that list. And I ended up being what I refer to as being the first loser on the first segment. And then on the second segment, I was the second loser, which is really unfortunate. So I had to sit and coach. But the good news is on the flight over, the middle seat was open. So had a nice open middle seat. And then on the return flight, there was actually a small child sitting next to me very well behaved. And so there was just a little bit extra room. So it was almost like having the middle seat available. So again, that was that was quite nice. You know, that actually does bring up a, a question that I had, because I mean, I'm not surprised you didn't get in the first class. The flights were so inexpensive that I assumed they would have been booked solid, but it sounds like they weren't quite that solidly filled in the back. Yeah, they really weren't. And I I think that's the reason why they discounted the fares. They were trying to get people on board the flights. And yeah, you lower the fare, you get more people to show up. Yeah, it worked out for everyone, I think. Now, what shape were the aircraft in? A lot of times on those Hawaiian routes, they'll put on some of their, their older aircraft. Was your seat power working? Did you have any kind of movie access or anything? The aircraft was, it seemed like it was a fairly well refurbished 737-800. So there really wasn't significant wear and tear on it, except the power outlets, the US power adapters. I think too many people use them and plug the plugs in and the connectors get really loose. So based on my experience of the last flight, I decided to bring my European adapter and plug my European adapter in and it worked just fine. That's sort of a tip for everyone, but I really don't want people to go ahead and implement this because if everyone starts using their European adapters, those ports are going to get stretched out and then none of the electricity will work on the plane. Well, I usually charge using a USB connector, but I do use a data blocker for the USB connector so that if there's anything in there that could sap my data, it won't get it. I find that that works, or usually works well. The USB connectors usually don't get too loose in terms of charging, although they can be a little slower. But this plane didn't have USB connectors. It only had an AC outlet. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So that's the reason why I think it got stretched out because everyone was using it. So obviously you had a good time with the uh, cabin crew. The service must have been great. How was the food? How were the drinks? 
<laughs> oh, the drinks United and their lack of Mai Tai. So I want to start a new hashtag about the United Mai Tais or lack thereof or United bring back the Mai Tai. It was so disappointing because they were actually pretty good. The Trader Vic's pre-made Mai Tais and no one knows why. Well, at least the flight attendants that I talked with don't know why they stopped boarding them. But yeah, no Mai Tais to be had and they have no plans, at least the, according to the flight attendants, they have no plans to bring back the Mai Tais. That was really disappointing. That really surprises me that it would be a Trader Vic's Mai Tai because Trader Vic's is really famous for their pina coladas. In fact, I once saw a werewolf drinking a pina colada at Trader Vic's. <laughs> His hair was perfect. Ah, there we go. The old references again. And that one I do know. <laughs> As for the food, the food was typical economy fair. It was quite acceptable. And you said that there was something, well, something we've sort of talked about, but it happened to you. You saw it in place that, you know, United doesn't take credit cards on board if you want to buy something additional. And that can be a problem. Tell me what happened regarding that. Yes, there was a elderly woman who was sitting in the aisle seat. I was in the window. When they came along for the food for purchase, she wanted to buy something and then realized that she didn't preload her credit card into the United app before departing. And actually, come to think of it, I didn't hear the first part of the conversation. She might not actually even own a smartphone. Regardless, she didn't have an app to use to preload a credit card. Therefore, she couldn't buy anything. And that just got me thinking. There are several people that either don't have a smartphone, they might have an old flip phone or something that's not a smartphone that doesn't use apps. And what do these people do? Or if your battery dies on an airplane and you can't charge it because the AC outlet is stretched out. I just find this just really an interesting dilemma. And I offered to buy her a meal and she wouldn't let me do it. But I don't know. What do you think about airlines not taking cash or not taking credit cards on board? And what are people that don't have smartphones supposed to do? You know, I can understand not taking cash. I, I sort of get that as mm -hmm. an accounting issue. It can be a real problem. But not taking a credit card, it seems to me that that kind of an issue, especially when you're dealing with elderly clients that may not be using smartphones. Or even small children, unaccompanied minors would fit into that category as well. Exactly. And when you're going to Hawaii, sometimes you're going to get away from things so you don't bring all your devices with you. That makes sense. But we've become so dependent on them that a lot of the customer service is based on the fact that you're going to have it even when you're not. And again, a battery goes dead, the smartphone goes bad, you're in a difficult situation. But that was really kind of you to offer to buy her something. Yeah, it just seemed like the right thing to do. And I hope someone, if I was in the same predicament, someone would do the same thing for me. I just felt bad that here the woman wanted to get a meal and couldn't. United started this whole cashless, you have to load your credit card into the application at the beginning of COVID. And I sort of understand where United wanted to protect the flight attendants and they didn't want things changing hands. So that absolutely made sense to me. I just think they didn't think through the problem all the way. Well, and especially at the beginning of COVID, when we thought that COVID might be spread by touch, but then we found out that it isn't and it wasn't changed back. It just seems, again, another way to eliminate customer service, and there's no reason to do that sometimes. Completely agree. So on your first round trip, let me just get this Hawaii story straight so I have the timeline. You went out to Hawaii. You spent the night in Hawaii. You came back to L.A. 
Now, you didn't just hop on another plane in L.A. You spent the night in L.A.? Correct. I stayed overnight. There really wasn't enough time to go home and then back to the airport. Well, there wasn't an evening flight to Hawaii, at least not to Lahui. They only service it once a day. So I decided to get a hotel at LAX because I had to get up really around 6 o'clock to make the 8.50 departure time. And what time did you arrive back in L.A.? It was about 9.30 at night when the plane landed. So, yeah, I had to walk through the terminal, wait for the shuttle bus, get to the hotel, check in. So I really didn't get to the hotel till about, well, to get to my room till about 11 p.m. You're about, driving-wise, about an hour from LAX. Is that correct? Without traffic, it's about 45 minutes. With traffic, it can be three hours or longer. Okay, so, yes. yeah, it's just very crazy. No way for you to be able to go home. So, okay, so you spent, uh, did you stay at your usual hotel in LA? No, I didn't. I cashed in some IHG points and stayed at the Holiday Inn Express. It was quite fine. There was nothing wrong with it, and there was super cheap for the points redemption. And yeah, I was quite happy. I may not be much of a podcaster, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. <laughs> Yeah, and it may be nice and refreshed for the flight back to Lahue in the morning. That's great. Now, did you have the same flight crew going over? No, had a different flight crew going over, but this time I actually did get upgraded. So I was able to sit in first class. I was in two Foxtrot. So that was nice. Oh, that's great. And how were the seats there? They were standard domestic first class seats. So the seat pitch was you know, certainly a little bit better than Economy Plus. There's a 2-2 configuration. Yeah, everything was everything was fine. The airline Barco lounger. Yeah. That's great. And so got to Hawaii, got off the plane, go to the club, and then turn around. Is that what it was? No, there's no club in Lahue. United services Lahue from San Francisco and Los Angeles. Angeles, and there's only one flight each. So only having the two inbound flights a day, two outbound flights a day, there's no club there. And there's not even, much to my disappointment, there's not even a priority pass lounge. So there was no lounge access for me. Oh, that doesn't seem fair. How long were you stuck there before the plane turned around? I would never consider being stuck in Hawaii. I had about an hour and a half to enjoy my time at the airport. And it's actually for a small airport. It's really nice. And like most Hawaiian airports, some of it is open air. So you can actually look outside and they have beautiful displays of flowers and you just get to enjoy the Hawaiian breeze and sort of get acclimated to being on the islands. Now, here in Portland, Maine, at the local airport, they do have a couple of local flavors. There's a place that serves lobster roll, and there's actually a place where you can buy live lobsters to take on the plane. Was there, What kind of a local flavor did they have in, in, in Lahui? Absolutely none that I'm aware of. Unfortunately, two of the restaurants were closed. They had the equivalent of a Hudson's News that was about the size of a phone booth and phenomenally crowded, so I never went inside of it. They had sort of this cafe, cafeteria type place. And it just didn't seem appealing to me. And there didn't seem necessarily to be anything local or attractive about the establishments that were open. So I decided to stay outside. And because it was only an hour and a half and I was fed on the flight sitting in first class, really wasn't hungry and didn't miss it. And I knew I'd be on the plane in an hour and a half and get served food again. And it was fine. So an hour and a half on the ground, turned around, got on the same plane again. Were you upgraded again? Fortunately, I was. Instead of sitting in 2F, I was actually in 3F. And that was really nice. Had a fantastic flight crew. Got to talk to them for a little bit. And it was a very international slash US-based flight crew. 
of the flight crew, three of them were of international origin. They all live in the United States. One was from El Salvador. One was from Colombia. The other was from Brazil. I don't know where the fourth person was because we never really had a chance to talk, but they were just absolutely fantastic to talk with. And we had this little international conversation going on. And here we were on a domestic flight and it was just great being able to interact with the crew. Sounds like a lot of fun, but also a bit surprising. A full 737 and only four flight crew? Yeah, and that's because of the 50-passenger rule, right? So every 50 passengers, you need a flight crew member. The plane holds, I believe, 178 passengers, so therefore it's legal for them to fly with four. Now, I think it's an awful lot of work for the people in first class not to have that extra crew member to have five flight attendants on board, but it's perfectly legal to fly with four on the 737-800. Wow. And that sounds like a lot of work also for the three in the back working in economy. That's a lot of customers, a lot of passengers to be dealing with. But obviously, you had a good crew there, and it sounds like it was a good flight. Yeah. And because the flight wasn't uh, 100% full, it didn't seem like it was, I don't want to speak for them, it didn't seem like it was so bad for them. They had some time to sit and chat and still everyone was taken care of. So that was good. The one thing that was kind of interesting, though, there must have been a bunch of morning drinkers on the flight over. Now, I didn't participate on the way over, but I thought on the flight back, I wanted to have a beer. And as you know, IPA is sort of a beer that I enjoy. And I went to order an IPA and the flight attendant had this sort of look on her face like, oh, no, this is going to be a problem. And she reaches into her cart and says, they only boarded one. This is the last one. So if you want a second beer, you're going to have to choose something else. And I found that kind of amazing that they didn't board any beer in Hawaii or fully cater the plane. And they flew back with the alcohol that they flew over with. You know, in some ways it makes sense because I am sure that everything costs much more in Hawaii because it all has to come in by air, well, or by ship. And so it makes sense that they're going to cater everything in LA, especially if the plane's just turning right around right away. I guess I was just surprised that there were that many early morning beer drinkers. Yeah, it it is what it is. I mean, it, so it, hey, if that's the worst thing that I have to complain about the flight, I'm doing pretty darn good. That's true. So where do you stand on miles now that you've completed these trips? So I was at 2,753,000 miles. As a result of these flights, I'm now at 2,769,000 miles, which means I only have 230,000 miles to go. Wow, you're, this is really moving right along. Yeah, and I certainly think about my next trip coming up to Singapore. That's certainly going to knock some of these miles off. And how many miles will you accumulate on your way in back and forth to Singapore? It'll be a little over 18,000 miles round trip. And the nice part is I will meet the dollar requirement, the PQP. And of course, I've already met my PQF requirement. So absolutely, the return flight from Singapore, I will have 1K status for the rest of this year and all of next year, which will be a really, really nice benefit to have. Now, it, it's close to that time. You're flying out relatively soon from the time we're recording this. When will you know about your upgrade status? Because I am a Platinum member, I have my 40 plus points and I use those 40 plus points to upgrade from Economy Plus to Premium Plus. So I will be sitting in that middle cabin between Economy and Business Class. 
And is there a chance you might be upgraded from Premium Plus to Business? No, because I don't have enough points. And I believe, I'm not 100% certain on this, and I'm certainly going to ask tomorrow, that if I did have enough points, could I use the 10 extra points that it would cost to upgrade to Business if space was available? So I don't know if this, you have to make your decision ahead of time, or if you can sort of upgrade your upgrade if it's available. I just don't know the answer to that one. It would be great because it's a long flight, and I know the business class would be would be very, very helpful. Is it one trip to Singapore or are you back and forth twice that's coming up? <laughs> In October, I'm going to do the back-to-back -back trip, but this time it's only the one trip. I really wanted to, yeah, if you will, get used to flying to Singapore and have my body get used to it and see how it is flying in the premium plus seat. So this is sort of a trial run for me. And is it spending the night or is it you're getting there and you're turning around? Yes, I'm spending the night. So I'm bringing some goods over as part of the courier service that I'm offering. I'm actually currying some things over to Singapore. I will have dinner, try and get a few hours sleep, and then I'm on, I think it's an eight o'clock flight in the morning back to America. Oh, so you really get to spend a whole day in Singapore and see a little bit of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm looking forward to it because it's been many years since I've been there. One of the things that I'm really looking forward to seeing, though, is the Changi Airport. Because since I was there, they've redone a decent portion of the airport. They spent $1.2 billion remodeling it. And that's going to be part of our next podcast is talking about Changi Airport and the differences between what it was and what it is now. They say Changi Airport is a sight to see in Singapore all by itself and that you could spend two or three days there and not see the whole thing. I believe that's true. It was fantastic before and it's even better now, apparently. Now, you mentioned your courier service that you offer, and that's one way that people can uh, support this show. And we also talked about how we need to support the people need to support the show for so many different reasons, including the fact that, yeah, I'm going to need a new computer because this one is just not working. You can see how I'm stuttering. And that's not me stuttering. That's the computer. No, it's me stuttering. But in any event, if people wanted to support the show, what's the best way for them to go about that? Really, the best way to support the show is by giving it a five-star review, if you think it's worthy of a five-star review. The other way that if you can financially support the show is you could go to the Donate tab, and we've set up a Patreon link, and there are different levels where if you want to do a recurring donation, you can do that. Or if it's a one-time donation, that's fine. You could do that as well. And all of the money that we're collecting through this go towards the actual expenses of running the show. None of the money goes towards purchasing tickets upgrades, food, beer, any of that. It's really all for maintaining the website, the media hosting, the equipment, all of that. And the equipment includes things like this microphone. You can hear that right there. Yeah, I sure can. That'll be fun to take care of in edit. Uh, you'll leave that right there. <laughs> and there's things like the interface. And yes, while you know, I've been joking around about needing a new computer, and yes, probably going to go with a Mac Mini. But there are also other ways that you can support the show. Tell us about the courier service or the pickup delivery of the three Ps. So if people need anything moved around from point A to point B, I'm quite happy to accompany it. And again, assuming that it's legal to actually do so, because I'm not going to jeopardize any part of my life by doing anything that's illegal. But yeah, if you need a pet relocated or a person relocated or a piece of property, like what I'm doing for the Singapore flight and doing a courier service, that's certainly available. And the other thing that you could do is fly with me and two people have signed up and we're going to South Africa. And I'm going to play tour guide in South Africa. Yep. And that's going to be great. And hopefully you and I will either get to 
Israel or to Tampa together. Boy, if I have a choice, I don't know which I would choose. Hmm. Oh, one of the other things that you and I did yesterday, we talked with listener Phil, who's at the Patreon level where one of the benefits is having a phone call. And we scheduled a phone call with Phil, got to talk with him, really nice gentleman. And he was saying that he wanted to know my flight schedule, hopefully not to break into my house while I'm gone, but to fly with me on one of the flights. He said that he will oftentimes fly to Singapore in a revenue ticket. He will use miles to get to Sydney and then fly the revenue ticket back to the States. And he was hoping to coordinate a trip with me where we could fly on a segment to Singapore. And I think that's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Talking to Phil was great. And he has flown all over and I got to tell you I want to be him when I grow up. <laughs> yeah, it did sound it did sound nice and he's working on his 2 million mile status. So he gave us credit for inspiring him to get to the 2 million mile mark. So way to go Phil. And it's always great to hear from our listeners. So if you have any questions or you have any comments, please write in. If you're happy with the show, the email address is brian at thejourneyisareward.org. And if you're unhappy with it, the email address is iamreallyoffended at yahoo.com. And if you want to follow us, well, we've got social media now. Twitter, we are TJIT Reward. That's the journey is the reward. TJIT Reward on Instagram. It's Brian Global Traveler. And on Facebook, it's Brian, the journey is the reward. So there's a lot of stuff there for people to engage with us. And we absolutely love when listeners write in and we talk about the emails that they write in at the beginning of the show. But Mike, if people want to get a hold of you specifically, how can they do that? Well, I use Twitter. It's the only social media I'm really involved with. And my ID there is at Mainfly, M-A-I-N-E, Main like the state, Fly, F-L-Y, at Mainfly. So if you want to follow me there, not that I have anything interesting to say, but occasionally I'll post pictures of aircraft that come into the Portland Jetport and uh, and a few other things. And of course, as you all know, I have no opinions whatsoever. They never get posted. <laughs> I guess in full disclosure, if people do interact with the TJIT reward on Twitter, it's not actually me that's writing it. It's listener Lou who's pretending to be me. And so far, listener Lou's doing a great job, I think. And it does have your picture, and it's a great picture. Thanks. And then one of the other things I wanted to point out before we close here is I know there's an issue with the website. I haven't been able to post the last two episodes to the website. So if people listen to the show that way, well, I guess they're not going to hear this message anyway, because they think we will be stuck at episode 15. But other episodes are there. I'm working on getting it fixed, and hopefully it'll happen soon. But my travels are getting in the way. Well, the traveling is the best part, and it's the reason why we're here. So you've got to continue to travel. But when you get back from Singapore, I'm sure you'll check it out as soon as you can. Yep. I'm working on it. So from Portland, Maine, here in the USA, this is your main man, Micah. And this is your global traveler, Brian. Fly safely. I don't think that'll be too tough to edit. I think we got it. Yeah, you well always there. say that because you don't have to do it. Well, I think you got, you know, it'll be big chunks you can take out as opposed to the little ands or ours. <laughs> All right, let's get this road on the show. Okay. Most of my travels have been on the United uh, I'm sorry, my computer made a noise. Premier qualifying, oops, is it premier qualifying flights or premier qualifying segments? I don't remember. Really, the best way to support the show is to, ah, what's this called? Um, there we go. And I just lost what I was going to say. And uh, there it is. Wait, I was, uh, was going to say something else about this. And we're back. Well, that was fast. Yeah, that was great. Thought you were going to say, that's what she said. <laughs>
like many Hawaiian airports, it's most of it, much of it, some of it. At least three of the flight attendants were international based, but not international based. Ugh. Status uh, for these flights. Yeah. Uh, let, let me answer better. All right. Uh, so fun thing. Don't want to talk about it today, but I was on the phone for a little over an hour last night with United uh, because my status was pending through the Travel Ready Center. And I think I've told you it's always been pending every time I've done an international trip. I found out why, at least for this one, or I think I did. There's a Singapore health healthcare questionnaire that needs to be submitted, except their website doesn't say that you need to submit it. Oh, gosh. That happened to you before. Yeah, for South Africa. Right, when they wouldn't let me on the plane. I'm so glad that they have a website that's asking for information that they don't tell you they need. That's just crazy. Okay, here we are. How are you? Good getting yourself. I'm doing good, and it's really a shame that the Greyhound doesn't deliver. Why is that? Because I, I saw your tweet is what I was referring to. The Greyhound Inn doesn't deliver. Oh, uh, I, I, I do oh, not you, do the Oh, you tweets. didn't tweet it. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, the, uh, the Greyhound Inn had a tweet about Sunday Roast, and I tweeted, well, I haven't been there since February, wish I could go, and whoever tweeted for you said, do you deliver? That's Listener Lou. Oh, okay. I forgot it's not you. <laughs>